Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to a fish podcast. I'm Beth Bacall. It's always so good to meet somebody new that's just ready to bless you. And her name is Mallory Hope. Hi, Mallory. Hi there. How are you? And you're not new to Georgia. I'm not. Born and raised in Georgia. Where at? I grew up in Cahutta, Georgia, which is right outside of Dalton. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're the carpet capital of the world. But it feels good to be home in Georgia and have everybody sound like I do and not get made fun of. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I say the word right a little differently than people in Tennessee. So. Oh. Okay, so is that where home is right now? Yes, I live in Nashville. Okay, so tell us about home when you were raising up here. Yeah, so I grew up um, about two hours from here and uh, just grew up singing in my dad's church. I have two brothers and two sisters and my mom sang in church, so I started singing with her and harmonizing, but not realizing that's what I was doing. (laughs) And uh, I remember my sisters just telling me to, to stop harmonizing because I was throwing them off, but I didn't know what I was doing. So I just kept singing and just grew up singing in the church and school and everywhere that I could. And when I was 16, 17 years old, we uh, we packed up and moved to Nashville so that I could do music and not have to be up there on my own. And uh, my parents just really believed in what I was doing. And, and now here we are. Wow. And you can look at your parents' relationship and how they even became pastors as a way that God really planted a seed in your career. Because when yeah. they met, mm-hmm. they weren't even believers. No, they weren't. They actually met in the carpet mill. So yeah, we, we have a bunch of carpet mills down there in Dalton, but they met and uh, neither one of them were believers. They got married um, soon, got pregnant with me. And then about three years later, got pregnant with my brother. And this is really the catalyst of what changed our family. Because when my mom was pregnant with my younger brother, she went into the doctors and the doctors told her that my brother had all these things that were wrong with him and he would never walk. He would never talk. And the doctor said, well, he's going to be a burden on you and it's going to be really hard. You have four kids and you're going to have this fifth one and you're going to have to stay home with him. And then one Wednesday night, uh, this sounds sounds so silly, but um, people came to our door at like four or five o'clock in the afternoon, knocked on our door, invited my dad to church, this tiny little church where there was like 30 people. And my dad was like, you know what? I I should try that. I've never been. Um, so he walked in and he said when he got to the church, he felt like it was going to fall in on him because he was so unworthy to walk into such a holy place. And he just said that he felt so dirty and, and uh, he didn't belong there. And he sat on the back row and didn't speak to anybody and um, heard the sermon, heard the message, heard God's love. And he said that he just like grabbed hold of that old timey pew and was shaken and asked God into his heart. And he said, God, if you heal my son, I'll dedicate my life to serving you. And uh, he, he left there that night, went home and told my mom what had happened. And she continued her appointments with the doctor. And every time they went to the doctor, it was the same news. It was bad news, bad news. And the day that my brother was born, he was completely perfect, completely perfect. Nothing wrong with him. And uh, it really just changed our whole family dynamic. And my mom came to know Christ through that, the miracle of healing um, my brother. And my dad just completely gave his life to the Lord and became um, a servant of him. And, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up 
have those five kids and my parents work two jobs and he um, really believes in tithing. But a lot of times his tithe, he felt like wasn't enough because he didn't have a lot. So he would go to the church and he would volunteer to do things. And like that would be his tithe as well. And so he was spending a lot of time at church and mowing the lawn and doing everything he could to, to just show God how faithful he was. And one day God called him to preach and he was like, no, I can't do that. I'm not doing that. I can't. My dad is the least um, <laughs> confident person when it comes to speaking in front of people. He just kind of hides and doesn't, you know, he's just not that guy. And God said, no, you are that guy and I'm calling you to do it. And I want you to tell your story. And he's been a pastor for, I think maybe 15 years, 16 years. So it's amazing. Yeah. And when we first moved up to Nashville, you know, I thought the move was about me and my career and what God was going to do through that. But it's, it's beautiful to look back and see now we've been in Nashville for 12 years. And when we first moved, we didn't have a home church and we went around and looked for a church and walked into this little tiny church, just like the one in Georgia. And they had just had a split and there was three or four people there with no pastor. And my dad said, well, I'm an ordained minister. I can get up and lead the service today. And and he's never gotten down. And we have over a couple hundred members there now. And to see that that's what God was doing after all. So it's, it's a beautiful story. It's a great story. Wow. I can talk to you forever. (laughs) I know. I got a lot of those. So how's your brother doing now? What's his name? His, he's great. His name is JJ. He's, uh, he's married and they have three kids and he's just an amazing guy. Loves the Lord. And he's loves to tell his testimony of what God's done for him. But really like God, God had to use that miracle to wake up my dad. And I feel like God always calls the people that are broken and that have these horrible stories of uh, how they grew up. My dad grew up um, without a father. His dad left him when he was two years old and had another family with two other sons and never had anything to do with my dad. So my dad grew up angry and hating the world and, you know, had some run-ins with the law and just like not who I know. And so to hear him give his testimony at the church of how God took a broken man and a man who felt so unworthy to walk into the house of God and put him as the pastor 15, 20 years later is just incredible. But it shows you how God uses the broken. Yeah, it's incredible encouragement Mm -hmm. right there. Yeah, absolutely. Never too dirty to to be cleaned. Ever, ever. (laughs) So your family moved to Tennessee and you were a country singer. Well, you are a country singer, but you were focusing on country music. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You just can't take that Georgia out of my voice. (laughs) Why would we want to? It's still in there, yeah. Yeah, so I I grew up uh, wanting to be Dolly Parton. She was just my, my... idol and uh, wanted to be just like her. I would watch everything that she was on and I loved how she would escape and go to the Smoky Mountains and just um, worship the Lord and fast and that's how she would write her albums and I just thought, man, she loves God and she sings Jolene. Like, that's what I want to do. And so (laughs) I picked up my guitar when I was like 12 years old and uh, my mom encouraged me to start writing music, so I did. And uh, the first song that I ever wrote was a song about abuse and this just tells you how God was working on my heart even then because I'd never seen abuse in my life. I was 12 years old, but I locked myself in my bedroom and I listened to Lifetime uh, Movie Network and watched that all day long. And the theme that weekend was on domestic violence. So the very first song that I wrote was inspired by those movies. And I remember coming out of my room and playing it for my dad. And the very first line says, he came home with liquor on his breath. And my dad, Southern Baptist, was like, stop, you cannot play this song. And I was like, dad, just listen. It gets good. Jesus shows up. It's amazing. And so I play it. And um, and he was just, cr- my dad was crying. He was like, that's beautiful. You need to play 
play that at your show this weekend. And so I played it that Friday night, not knowing why I wrote the song. You know, I just pulled it off of a TV show. And um, there was a gentleman that came up to me after the show that night and he was weeping. And he said, I want you to know that song that you sang about abuse was me and my wife um, that I was married to. She would she was abusive to me and I almost died and I was too embarrassed to to stop it or to leave. And then I finally did. And I just want you to please keep writing songs that are truth for people and that evoke that emotion and remind us how blessed we are. And I really in that moment felt like that's what I'm called to do. I want to write songs that do that for people. And so that's what I did. And um, I thought that um, God was calling me into country music and that was the desire of my heart. And that's what I wanted. And I prayed for and fasted for and everything that I ever prayed um, to God for. I wanted to sing at the Opry like that was my goal. And when we moved to Nashville, he allowed that to happen multiple times. I was actually engaged in the circle. My husband proposed to me there. So everything that I asked him for, he gave me. And then I got to this place about five years ago where I just felt miserable and unfulfilled. And I just kept saying, Lord, like, what did you make me for? I just feel like I can't get over this hump of success. And in my mind back then, if I wasn't successful, then I wasn't worth anything. And that's the lie I was telling myself, because from the time I was nine, all I've done is music. So I was con- completely consumed by that and the identity of this is where I have, I have to be Dolly Parton or I'm unlovable. <laughs> what am mm. I worth? You know, and I really got to this place of seeing how God gave me everything I asked for a record deal, country song on the radio, writing country songs for other artists, singing at the Opry. And I still needed more. And I was like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> Why am I not grateful and content where I am? And so I had this coming to Jesus meeting and at home and just cried for hours. And I asked, I asked God to take the love of music away from me so that I could learn to love him first and know who I am in him. And I really needed to be taught that lesson because I felt kind of like a spoiled brat that had asked for all these things and he had given them to me. And then I was still not happy. So I needed to know like, Lord, what, what did you make me for? You had to have a plan. You put this music in my heart when I was two years old and before I could speak sentences, I was singing, Jesus loves me. And I want to do that and make you proud. And I just remember thinking like when I stand before God, he's not going to introduce me in heaven as the Dolly Parton of my generation. You know, he's not going to say, Hey guys, everybody welcome Mallory. <laughs> like He's not going to do that. So why am I so focused on earthly success when I want to be successful eternally and have God say, I'm so proud of you. And you were faithful and you stepped out on this journey that you were unsure about. And um, it's not what your heart was um, desiring at one time, but I've changed your heart now to see that that is more important. That's what I've made you for. And so I really wanted to just sing for Christ. And that happened because I was listening to Christian radio. I'd been listening to it for two or three years in my car and wasn't even listening to country music anymore. But just when I got in my car, I I really wanted to be alone with God. And that's where I would worship. And in that moment, uh, one day during the summer, Uh, I just felt him speak so loudly and clearly and say, this is what I want you to do. I want you to tell people about my love and how good I am and what I've done for you and how I've changed your heart. And that's when I picked up my guitar again. And I was like, "Okay, I'm scared. I'm scared of rejection. I'm scared. Mm -hmm. But um, but if you're calling me to do this, then I need you to open the door because I'm not going to knock them down anymore. Because when I knock them down, they just make me miserable. So my dad always says, just, you know, pray and fast on things and ask God and he'll he'll open doors for you. If you're knocking them down, you'll know it because you'll be miserable. God's not going to put you in a place of being unfulfilled if he's called you to do something. So that's kind of the whole story of just him changing my heart and, and making me content with even if all he's called me to do is to sing at my dad's little church on Sundays, there's going to be somebody that that's in there in that audience that needs to be reminded of his love. And that is where I'm at now.
Bloom where you're planted. That's right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. What a sensitive journey you've mm-hmm. been on uh, since you literally entered the world harmonizing. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, as a 12-year-old, to take the time to write a song with that type of a topic. I know. And then to receive affirmation from a man who was in that situation. Right. Which maybe wasn't something you even... I never thought it would have right? been... Yeah. Never thought a man would uh, relate to that song. I mean, you can see all the seeds and the journey mm-hmm. that uh, God put you on. And I also see somebody who was just so sensitive to the spirit and 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 obedience is a word i'm thinking about but it's also just like you were just just really grasping to get to your next place in life where you felt comfortable in yourself yes absolutely yeah i needed to know my identity in christ and not my identity in my own skin or what i needed validation from the world there's so much maturity in that yeah that a lot of um that we can learn from that we can actually glean from i feel so. like it took me too long i was like oh. i would have <laughs> but then i wouldn't have learned my lesson i guess but i <laughs> But yeah, it, it, yeah, it was a wild journey, but I'm glad to be here and to be able to now, at least I can, I, I always tell my mom, like I can see my weakness. I can see my insecurity now and I can speak out, you know, Satan, get behind me. You're not bringing me down today. And I know it. Yeah. So I don't have to fall into that trap. Just the fact that you're willing. Yeah. I think that's um, the great example that you're setting just in that. Yeah. And there is that one person in your father's church that needs to hear you sing. And there's somebody in the Opry audience that needs to hear you sing. Yeah. And there's somebody sitting in a car listening to Christian radio that needs to hear you sing. Right. I believe that. The experience you received is uh, able for somebody else to receive now through your music. Wow. Yeah. Right. Pretty incredible. Even though you opened for Blake Shelton when you were 13 <laughs> years old. I did. I sure did. Here in Georgia at Six Flags. <laughs> I think I, I won a competition or something. And um, I and sang for him. It was the very, it was his very first single and it went number one that week. So it was a really big deal for him. And he was just getting into the business and, um, yeah, I got to sing and open for him. And then I did it again when I was 21 and I took a picture and showed it to him backstage. And he was just like, well, you're making me feel like a grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) So pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now look where he is. Look what he's doing. I know it. Mm -hmm. Um, No more mullet. (laughs) Where did you find love in Nashville and with who? So I met my husband actually when I was on my country radio tour uh, 10 years ago. And uh, he programmed a country station in Charlotte. And I met him and we just went in and played and talked to him and um, had no, we had no interest in each other at all. But um, the song that I had played for him was something that he really related to. And I think he became um, a fan of the music. And anytime he came to Nashville, he would want to get together and talk and super just friends. And for years we were just friends and we both love that show, um, The Big Bang Theory. (laughs) And we would text each other quotes from that and just be silly and and then he ended up actually switching roles and started working for a record label in Nashville. So he moved to Nashville and uh, I reached out to him and I was like, hey, we should go get coffee and catch up. I want to hear what the difference is in working radio. And now you're working radio. <laughs> you're Instead of working in radio, you're going to work records. And so I was just interested in that. And I remember walking into dinner and somehow it switched from lunch to dinner, which is another it's another God thing, too, because it, this was the moment in my career where I was really depressed and just feeling really unloved and not sure where my future was going. And I, I lived with my parents until I got married. And I remember my mom literally making me get out of bed, putting me in a dress, saying, you're going out, you're 
going to go have a good time. I was I had a boyfriend that had I finally stepped out and dated someone and he he was just a bad guy and was cheating on me. And I was just like, well, this must be love like this. I'll stay with him. This has to be love. Right. Because this is the first guy that I've ever loved and I'll just stay in this relationship. And my mom and dad were just like, what is wrong with you? This is not love. And just, you know, waiting for their daughter to wake up and realize I went to dinner and I remember walking in and sat down to talk to now my husband, Ryan. And uh, we just we it was just a spark. It was this crazy thing. They say, you know, you know, when you know, and he's from Washington State. I'm from here, Georgia. And there's no reason why we should even know each other. But God brought us together. And it's so clear for us to see that. But they they actually had to kick us out of the restaurant because we wouldn't stop talking and it was closing. And, And it was just that instant chemistry of like, I know you're the one God made for me. And he actually, he asked me out on a date and uh, he told me that on our very first date. He said, I know you're who I'm going to marry. And I was like, you're crazy. (laughs) But he was right. (laughs) And he told Jerry that too, he said, because he's known Jerry for a long time. So yeah. And and Jerry is your... She is our head of promotion at our label at at Curb Word. So she's known my husband for a long time. Just for y'all listening to the podcast, we are recording this in a a little studio where we don't even have enough chairs for everybody that's in here. So they are sitting on the floor floor, but that's right. man, aren't we having fun doing that? Uh-huh. <laughs> Your life needs to be a mini-series. I think so. That's why we have a, film- a videographer here with us, Grace. Yes, we do. Grace. <laughs> I, am, I think I am working on a book, so I do want to put my story into a book of just encouraging yeah. people to... Well, this is more than a book because you're you're so raw, you're so honest, but it's also so real because I can see a lot of the beats that people miss mm-hmm. or we think we miss, but you were just clawing your way. It's almost like clawing your way to your truth. Yeah. It was. Honestly. Yeah, it really was. That's exactly what it felt like. And not only that, there were times where, like, at, at my record label on the country, in the country world, um, the very first year I made my record, and it was, like, the best year of my life. Mm-hmm. Everything was going. Everything was like, oh, this is a no-brainer. Every song on the record is single. Like, we're just going to have the best it's it's you're you're just going to be huge you know and um i just remember thinking in that first year it was 2009 and i was like man this is awesome like rainbows butterflies that's what the world is and um and it didn't end up working that way and and the second year when the song didn't do as well as everybody had thought they um they came back to the drawing board and they were like we don't want you to tell stories we want you to just write and they would name other artists that were already successful and they're like we want you to write this song we we see you as this artist on our label so everything we love about you at the beginning which is that you are you are a storyteller we don't want that anymore I remember just sitting there thinking what like what and so I ended up making two more records on that label and they never put anything out nothing that's like you know six years of my life sitting there just kind of collecting dust and and just got to this place where I'm like okay God I don't know what to do I've you gave me what I asked for I'm making records but they're they're not believing in my songs and so I went and I met with my with someone at the label and I played some songs for them that I had had written really believed in and I was like I'll risk my career on this song I was out touring with Darius Rucker just me and my guitar he would let me do 45 minutes before he would go on and he just really believed in me and I I said I've been playing this song from New York City all the way to Georgia and they love it and this is the single I want to go with this one and I remember them saying well we think it's a hit we don't we just don't think it's the single and I was like what does that mean (laughs) like that doesn't make sense and and they said well we see you as this artist so go write this song and do a version of that and so I remember driving home and I was crying so hard because I was like, why can't they see me? Like th- I'm me. I'm not that artist. And this is what I do. And uh, I went home. I cried. I listened to Roy Orbison because he. when I get sad, I listen to him. <laughs> and I laid on my floor listening to him. And, and about a week later, I got a call from my label and they said, they said, hey,
hey, you know that song that you played? And I said, yeah. And I thought they were calling to say, we're going to go with that. And they said, well, we just got this new artist and she's in from American Idol and we want to give that to her for her first single. We think that would be great and it's going to be great for you. And she has another song that you wrote that she wants to cut. And I was just like, oh, well, um, okay. And I hung up and I just knew in my heart, like, it's time for me to step away because I want, I want to sing. Like I I am called to sing. I don't care about writing songs. I write them because they just happen. But I, in that moment, just wanted to sing. And I, I asked to leave and they let me go. And I just remember thinking this really stinks. I felt used in a way, you know, like they took my song and gave it to someone who had a bigger platform. And here I was going, Hey, pay attention to me, love me. (laughs) And, uh, I went through all of that. And still picked up my bootstraps and said, okay, God, where are you taking me now? Because I could just stop and not sing anymore. But that's not what I chose to do. Are you comfortable telling me that song? What song that yeah, it, yeah, it was Georgia Peaches. And they played it here. And I love being able to come and sing it and we played it yesterday we were in Augusta and and people were singing it and I love that people got to hear it and that's why I gave the go-ahead because I knew that people would get the chance to hear it and do are you able to see the connect in how your song being sung by that person and now the journey that you're on also can connect others to that message of what I'm hearing from you saying is all the time you were saying, look at me hear me mm-hmm. you're now saying and God saw me the whole time God saw me the whole time yeah Mm-hmm. God was looking right at you. Yeah, I couldn't see the blessing in the moment because yeah. I thought it was a negative thing. And it's hard to share your blessing or to, to see something that you've worked on and to realize that's a blessing. That's somebody else's blessing. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was mine. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I had to learn that. I was I was trying to be stingy. <laughs> and I'm like, but I want to sing it. Well, we're just human, though. Yeah. I mean, I'm hearing your life so much as just honest humanity. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and often if you aren't relieved of that humanity, you become your father sitting in the back pew of a church thinking he's not worthy. Yeah. But if you've got the Lord as you're clawing your way just to figure out who you are and whose you are. Yes. You have great stories like this. Absolutely. That can really trickle all around. I mean, I see God in all of this. I mean, I get to because you're here sharing your entire life, but I I see God in all of this for you. Yeah, he was. He was there through every moment. And when we started working on this record, the first song that we wrote was the song called Now. And that's what it says is, you know, you're with me then and you're with me now through the ups and downs and I'm, I may not have even thought to go, hey, God, thanks for hanging out yeah, with me. Yeah. <laughs> but he was there. And once I got over the disappointment and the frustration and just let it go and surrendered it, then I could see him and go, oh, you had my back the whole time. I'm sorry I didn't recognize that. I'm going to let you drive now and I'm going to go kick my feet up in the back. <laughs> oh, that yeah. word surrender. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And just to think, I mean, God has equipped you with so much, not just a, a fantastic singing voice. I mean, you could have been like this superstar fast pitch softball player. Yeah. Life, I could have. Right? I sure could have. I was headed down that road until I got hit in the face of the ball and then I quit. And I was like, nope, this is too much for me. I don't have much, but I need my face. How old was that? Oh, gosh. I was probably, I would say, 10 or 11. Okay. And, and when did you start yodeling? <laughs> 13. Uh, I came to Nashville and I played with a full band and I uh, got up and sang remember that song daddy's hands by yeah. holly dunn yeah. and uh, unchained melody never sang with a band before got up and sang and uh there was a girl that got up after me and she sang cowboy sweetheart and i was like what is that what is she doing and uh, on the drive home i sat in the back of my dad's truck and my parents were in the front and i taught myself how to yodel and you guys this is true love as parents to encourage your kid and not discourage them while they're trying <laughs> to teach themselves how to yodel, <laughs> yodel, 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 yodel in the back seat for two hours <laughs> 
And they were like, you're almost there. You almost got it. <laughs> so I did. I taught myself how to do it. And, um, and then I worked with a coach after that. And it was, it was a fun time. Yeah. <laughs> do you do that again? Okay, here we go. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> there are so many pieces in your life that are actually, you make them look so much easier than they are. I mean, everything from what you went through with your record company mm-hmm. to yodeling to fast pitch softball, all of that. Yeah. I mean, and when did you become a musical theater fan that you became this person known for impersonating Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz? Oh, my goodness. This is so funny. Um, I'm just reliving my childhood. <laughs> well, when I when I entered high school, I was doing drama in middle school as well. But when I got into high school, you know, they had a musical every year. And as a freshman, I was I was like, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm going to go do. I'm not a cheerleader. I'm not a, I'm not a cool kid. I was I was chubby. I had a perm. My parents made me have a perm every year because they thought if I had country music hair, you know, you got to get that hair up to Jesus. Then I would look more professional. So I would have to have a perm, you guys. Hashtag hair up to Jesus. Jesus. Right. Just saying. <laughs> that should be the next album. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they did. They would make me perm my hair. And I remember walking into class one day and people were like, what's that smell? And I said, I had just gotten a perm. I said, oh, you know, my house got sprayed with a skunk last night. And uh, that's what you're smelling. Like, I would have rather told people that I got sprayed by a skunk than I was perming my hair. <laughs> But uh, yeah, when I entered high school, I just was this, I was awkward. I I was really insecure about myself and my body started to change and I was always tall and thin. And then all of a sudden I was not and just really confused about myself and went to, I remember going to lunch one day and uh, the, the, the movie Finding Nemo had just come out and it shows how old I am. And I sat down at lunch and there were some kids behind me and they were like, they were throwing their food at me and they were, they just were comparing me to the whale that was in that movie and I remember just taking my lunch and going to the bathroom and eating my bathroom eating eating my bathroom (laughs) eating my lunch in the bathroom crying and thinking whoa like what is wrong like what's wrong with me and I can see this throughout my whole journey of looking back of this whole like what did I do what is wrong with me and it was like God had to even in high school like I had to go through that so that I could learn that it's not me and get that thick skin and tough skin and learn how to deal with it. And people used, kids used to tease me all the time for singing. And I grew up and I went to Northwest high school in Tunnel Hill, Georgia. And, uh, I would actually have this TV show that, that ran on our charter charter cable network. And I would host, um, people's music videos. They would go and make their own music video and then I would host it and talk about it and bring them on. And, and so I don't know if just other kids didn't like that or what, but I, I got teased all the time for it. And I was just trying to do what I love to do. And instead of like getting really sad about it, it made me say, you know what? I'm going to show you one day and this is my fire to, to ignite myself, to go after something that I love because I'm not what you're calling me. I'm not these labels you're putting on me. I'm more than that. And I'm going to show you. And that's, you know, if anybody out there that's going through that, like I would encourage you to look at it from that angle and just let that be all the things that people say to you that try to bring you down. You know, Satan comes at you. He's a roaring lion all the time. Use that as a reason to prove them wrong and let that be your fire to, uh, to get up and go forward. And that's what I did. So, um, I felt, I found theater and that's what I did every year. And I somehow ended up getting the lead in every musical that we did. And, um, the first one was the wizard of Oz and I was Dorothy and, and you're going to make me do the voice, aren't you? (laughs) 
I'll gladly do it. I'll gladly do it. You ready? Yes. I don't know if you're ready. Yes. Okay. Ready. You're just going to pretend. Click, click your heels. All right, here we go. Oh, Toto, did she hurt you? She tried to, didn't she? Annie M, Annie M, just listen to what Miss Gulch did to Toto, all because she got into her garden. <laughs> And there you go. That's awesome. I mean, if you think about that and the yodeling and yes. all that, those are those are just the, the little spikes. Mm-hmm. But what you said, jokingly but not jokingly, about how you know you're reliving your childhood. Yeah, your childhood really set the tone for your whole family's legacy in life. Yeah, I mean your your childhood. Yeah, it did. It really did. You're <laughs> no, right. No pressure. No pressure. Right. <laughs> and, no pressure. And. Um, I find you are your your insight from such a young age and the depth of searching. You know that's a true artist. Thank you very much. So thank you. And now you're raising your own little. I am. You have three littles. In fact, I you do. you have one that's what three months old. You just you yes. just look at you. You just had a baby. No, yeah, and my body it's amazing. Woo. No, you I don't. Look thank amazing. you. <laughs> I mean, thank your, you. Your Everything's bigger fantastic. and it's awkward, and I'm not used to it. But that's okay because I am feeding a human, and that's all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we feed humans. We and, do. And the baby's name is his name is Jace. Okay, and you've He's got sweet. Uh, yeah. He's so sweet. I bet. Mm. He's my first boy. Okay. Yeah, I've got two older girls, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. So. And is Savannah the four-year-old? Savannah is the middle one, and I call her sassy because she's a firecracker. She is unlike her sister, for sure. I guess you have multiple kids. Mm-hmm. Does that happen? They're mm-hmm. just completely different. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. You're, you're sassy. Perhaps <laughs> will grow up one day to become a makeup artist. Okay. Right? <laughs> I love that, yes. Because <laughs> she got into my lipstick. She sure did. Went all over her body, and she she's just a mess. She's so funny. You can't leave that child with anything because she will turn it into a mess. And then Scarlett is our four-year-old, and she's sweet and sensitive, and she's me. She's She is me because um, I remember taking her to her first day of preschool uh, last September, and by the end of the week, she came, she would come home and she'd go, but mommy, what if they don't like me? And I was like, mm. oh no, Lord, you gave me me. <laughs> like, how do I, how do I fix this already? Mm. At four years old, she's thinking, you know, no one wants to be my friend. And I'm like, you don't even know what a friend is yet. How do you know? Mm. <laughs> like you're four. So she's, she's a people pleaser and just like me and sweet and sensitive. So definitely going to raise them differently because they're both opposite sure yeah it's great to have a focus to raise them differently but if you could just give like one statement on what is your hope for your children what is your hope for your kids now that you're the parent my hope for my kids is just that they love god first of all because we make that a priority in our home um my daughter scarlet goes to awana's every weekend my pop my dad comes and picks her up and so she's been doing that and learning verse like she's gonna know more verses than me in a few more months but um just that they learn to trust god in the hard times and and that they'll depend on him and believe that he has a plan and and maybe they'll save themselves the the struggle maybe that i had to go through of finding that a little later in life and and hopefully we can encourage them um to just learn to trust god through everything and he's with you all the time and i hope that they'll find something they love to do and they'll go after it be fearless like you can do it i believe that well i believe kids learn a lot mostly from example and 
Yeah. And you're doing a fantastic job, Mom. Thank you. Scarlett scares me because she was out on the road with me at Winter Jam. And Casey, can my keyboard player's here. He can attest to this. She would take the microphone and sing every song and is fearless the same way that I was. And she was only three back then. So now she's four. And she says, I walked into her preschool and they did this little, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's her picture in a hot air balloon. And then on the bottom, it said, I want to be a singer like my mom. And I stared at that for like 10 minutes. And I was like, I don't know if I should be proud or terrified. (laughs) But yeah, she just, she already wants to do that at four. So what a compliment. I know. What a compliment. Mm -hmm. Wow. God. Wow. Would would she sing me? She would. She sings it all the time. (laughs) She sings it. That's uh, Mallory's song that really kind of is bridging you from country music to yeah, Christian music. Absolutely. Tell us about me. So me uh, is a song that I wrote while I was on the Winter Jam tour. And, you know, we talked about my journey a little bit. And when when I felt called to step into Christian music and and sing about the Lord, I, I was terrified. Like my relationship with God is has always been so personal. And I can remember sitting in church when my dad would be preaching and he would call me up to sing sometimes like altar, like the altar call song. And I was dealing with whatever I was dealing with. And spiritually, I would get up there and just be so overwhelmed by what God was doing to my heart that I just cried. And so I always was like, I don't think I could do Christian music because I'll stand up there one day and just be feeling the spirit and start crying. And people are going to think I'm crazy. Like (laughs) there it is again of me fearing what people think instead of trusting that maybe me standing there crying is going to actually encourage somebody, you know, so. Wow, you're really helping me see my <laughs> my things here. Wow, you're a really good therapist. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow. Um, the connects in your life are incredible. Yeah, they I are. Mean, I've never I, really I, done this before where I've gone so deep, so all, I'm having the, a moment. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, what were you talking about? You're talking about the fear you would have when you'd be at your father's oh, church. Oh, yes, with Christian music, I just, I never thought that that's what I would do because it was always so personal. Just watching people get up and sing for the Lord. And when you can see that they really love the Lord, I'll just cry. I'm like, it's just, it's a beautiful thing, you know? And so when I felt like God was calling me to do this at first, I was like, I was like Jonah. I was like, no, 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 Please don't. Please, please don't. I'm terrified. Like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to get up there and feel your spirit and start crying and not be able to encourage people. And, um, just after talking with my dad and sitting and I get a lot of, um, advice from him and just, he helped me see the blessing in that and being able to be vulnerable and say, it's okay. If you do that, just let the spirit do what the spirit does. And so we stepped into doing this and we wrote the record and we had the record finished and, uh, but God knew it wasn't finished because it was a song that was missing. And I went out on this tour and I said, every day I said, God, just let us touch one heart, even if we're in an arena, but even if it's just one heart, like that's what this is about. So I would go out on stage and, uh, and I would come back into the altar call song at the end of the night. And there were moments where I would just close my eyes at the altar call cause it was dark and I could just envision singing just me, just me in front of God. That was it. And it took about a week of that for Satan to come roaring like he does and he came at me and he knew my insecurities and my need to be validated and my need to see more people in my meet and greet line and uh, because I thought that was what success was and that's where my worth is and he was reminding me of that and showing me well look at her she's got more people over there they're buying more stuff they must connect better and I remember sitting there thinking 
you're right. Like, why am I here? Like, what am I doing? They're not even listening to me, Lord. And again, I made this whole thing about me and I sunk right back into it, you know, like a something that just fits so well. And wow. it took a week. It was just the first week. And I called my dad and I said, dad, I need help. Like, what do I do when I feel like I'm on stage and no one cares? And he said, Mallory, let me tell you something. He said, I get up there and I preach every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Wednesday. Sometimes on Wednesdays, there's three people there, but I don't care because it's not about me. They're coming to hear God's word and God's doing something for one person or he's doing it for three people or he's doing it for a hundred. It doesn't matter because it's not about me. And I'll look out in the congregation and I'll see people asleep on Sunday morning while I'm preaching. He goes, but I don't, I don't let that get to me because I know it. this is not about me mm-hmm. and God's using me uh, for a purpose. And that to me really helped Um, open my eyes again and just to be able to go no Satan not today you're not this is between me and God and God's using whatever it is I'm doing that night to change somebody and even somebody I may never even know until I stand before the Lord and he can say hey you know you had a a hand in planting a seed for this person to come to know Christ or learn how to uh, trust in Christ because of your journey and and so he really helped me focus in on that but when I got home that week I I called my co-writers and I said I want to write a song that speaks about this because you know, we come to know Christ and maybe sometimes we think we're in this protection bubble that we're just like secure and we're never going to face hard times, but that's not true. Like Satan comes after you even more when you want to walk in faith because he wants to get you off of that track and he wants to bring you down and get you telling people, look what God did to me and not what God did for me. So I just, uh, I remember getting to that place and sitting down with my writers and crying and saying, let's write a song that says, when we're struggling with comparison, which tended to be my biggest flaw of needing to be like my neighbor. And if I was more, if I was tougher, if I was, maybe if I was mean, then I would have been more successful because I would have just made sure it happened. I'm too nice. (laughs) So I just kept putting all these labels on myself and that's what we wrote. And we wrote me and it says, you know, I could be stronger. I could be braver. I could be someone who was never called a failure. If I was that, then I wouldn't have this story. And so I wanted to, to say, you know, when God looks down at us, we see flaws in ourselves. God sees perfection. He sees who he made us. And those things that we think are flaws are going to be able to help someone else that's going through that. They may not even know the Lord, you know. So I can't imagine going through this journey and not not knowing the Lord because I would have just ran myself into the ditch, you know, my career, everything. and given up. And, but having God and knowing he's in control and it's out of my hands. So mm-hmm. that's where me came from. There's comparison traps all over the place. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Being able to see it, though, and recognize it and say, you know, I'm perfect the way that I am. And yes, I have this flaw where sometimes I feel like I need to feel validated, but that's not who I am. I'm who I am in Christ, not who I am in me. So that's the gift that you're offering. Yeah. And that's the gift that God's using you for. Right. Which is incredible. Yeah. Because you, you were that girl at a very young age being told not to harmonize. Yeah. 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 You're right. So great. These messages are just so real, so raw. It's like you have been and are still on a journey that so many other people are on. But I don't know that everyone always takes the time to really go, wait a second. Why am I feeling this way? Mm -hmm. What is really up with me? But when artists like you and you are an artist, I mean, you are a deep artist. When artists like you allow us that space into your life and into your music, it's a it's it's healing. But it also puts a lot of light bulbs yeah. into play. Yeah. There's a song that I really relate to right now by Hillsong. Have you heard it? It's called New Wine. 
Mm-mm. And it's like um, so the, the, about the wineskins. Yes, yeah. and like she's saying, um, "Make me a vessel, make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be." Uh, I came here with nothing, but all you have given me, Jesus, you're breaking new wine. Like she's saying, I'm struggling, and it's in the pressing of the grapes when you're making new wine. It's in the what looks bad, you know. She's struggling though. Um, but she's struggling f- to help uh, people that are struggling and remind them there's a brighter day. You know, you have to smush the grapes to get the wine. <laughs> so um, I just really relate to that song right now and love it and listen to it every night before bed. <laughs> but I don't know why I just told you about that. But I love it. It seems to um, kind of go parallel with my journey. Mallory Hope, where are you located on all things social? I am on all things social. <laughs> I'm on Instagram. Uh I'm on Facebook and Twitter and all that fun stuff. Is it Mallory Hope? I think Instagram is Mallory underscore Hope, M-A-L-L-A-R-Y. My mom wanted to name me with two A's for some reason, but I think I was supposed to be a boy. She was planning on a boy, and I came, and I was a girl, clearly. And um, the show Family Ties was on the TV in the hospital, and she was like, Mallory, that's a good name. So, (laughs) yeah, that's how I became me. That's a good story. I know. <laughs> Just name. She had all the fashion. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I know. Okay. Um, your song "Me" is for me, and it's for everyone listening to the podcast right now. Yeah. Could you just sing us out with a little of it? Sure. I can be me, a broken mess you knit together perfectly, a child of love no matter what the world may see, in your eyes there's no one else I need to be, I just need to be me. Mallory Hope, thanks for bringing your beautiful self to the fish today. Thank you.